Welcome to Worship Call with Bible teacher Buzz Lawback. Buzz is the pastor of Grace Chapel Bible Ministries located in Duncan, South Carolina. This ministry is dedicated to the verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word and discipleship programs aimed at strengthening the faith of God's people. Now here's today's message. This is the sixth day of the week in God's created order, the tenth day of November, 2023rd year of our Lord, and we begin this morning with George Whitten of WorthyNews.com. And he says, friends, spend the weekend seeking his still small voice. First Kings 19.11. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind and earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it. And he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. The prophet Elijah through his dramatic demonstration of the Lord's authority and power, inspired repentance in the people of Israel, calling them to exercise his judgment on idolaters by slaying 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah on the Mount Carmel. Yet, this spiritual victory was not followed by a severe demonic reprisal through the woman Jezebel. Her words so terrified Elijah that he literally ran for his life. The conflicts in the spiritual realm are truly awesome. The moment Elijah's greatest victory became the very context of his greatest temptation as he was devastated, discouraged, and depressed to the point of hopeless despair by Jezebel's vengeful threat to kill him. But the Lord had not abandoned his man. In the midst of Elijah's flight, Yahweh sent his angel to feed and encourage the prophet for his 40-day journey from Beersheba to Mount Horeb, where he undoubtedly expected protection at the mountain where Moses had first encountered Yahweh. Completely alone, Elijah takes refuge in a cave where the Lord finds him and initiates a conversation which seems almost casual. What are you doing here, Elijah? The prophet begins to pour out his heart, complaining about his isolated, desperate condition. God's reply is another dramatic demonstration, but this one is different and personally tailored for Elijah's discouragement. Whirlwind, earthquake, and fire all are all devoid of his presence. But there... In a still, small voice, the prophet hears his Lord. Friends, perhaps unrepentant sinners and backsliders, believers require dramatic demonstrations, catastrophes, and uh, devastating judgments to awaken their attention to God's presence and will. But we who love him are invited to be a more intimate relationship, one which takes place in the privacy and quiet listening. 
This weekend could be a good time to renew yours. Shabbat Shalom, your family in the Lord with much agape love. George by Revka, Obadiah, and Elena. And this is another fine day in the Lord. And let's turn to our Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, getting us through another week. I thank you for your countenance that shines down upon us. We, we, uh, and your grace, your mercy, your mercy renewed each and every day. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you guide us through this lesson. Give it, show us once again your truths of your word. May the Spirit guide us in the teaching and in the understanding of what is being revealed. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. And a happy Marine Corps birthday to you all. Tim, especially you. You are a Marine of Marines. I've always looked up to you. Um, you, you know, if we, if, if I were to have an idol outside of, uh, of the Lord, you would be my idol. So, uh, happy, happy birthday to you, um, uh, and, and to all the Marines out there, uh, and on this, another day, another fine day in the Lord. All right. Um, the parable of the venue, our passage is in Matthew chapter 20 with me. The parable of vineyard is given to those in an agricultural community. To the uh, how often have we heard that the the scripture has to be interpreted in the time in which we um, and in which it was written, not what it means to us, but what it means to those that it was written to. And it is the continued narrative of the first and the last. Jesus says. At this point, there's so much written about the first one types and the last one types. And it far extends what we talked about last time. It far extends what just the social order, the first ones in this life, uh, the, the, the guys who, who are at the top of the ladder compared to those at the bottom ladder. Much more than that. Much, much more than that when we're dealing with the kingdom. also want to say the other day, just, just make sure that I was clear. There is a sheep and goat judgment. This is just a side note, um, and it's a correction from the other day. There's a sheep and goat judgment. The 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 kingdom is promised to for the Israelites, but there will be Gentiles in that in the kingdom as well. That's a sheep and goat judgment um, with the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. It is the and that's not the church. The church has been taken out by that point. This is the Gentiles who become uh, the Gentile believers. The sheep are the Gentile believers. The goats are the the unbelievers, those that are the the unfaithful, the unbelievers at that point. We'll get to that when we get to that. But uh, I just want to make sure that the kingdom is not, uh, while it belongs to Israel, while it's it's extended to Israel uh, and in that day, there will be Gentiles in it. Okay, it's they're not going to be cast out into the darkness just because they're Gentiles, but there will be Gentile believers that's going to enjoy the kingdom, enjoy being in the kingdom. All right, again, we'll we'll get to that when it comes. All right, so it also brings us to an understanding of a spiritual economy, God's economy, where there is a labor and the wages given to for productive work. And also the urgency of doing that work. There's a window of opportunity that we are to do our work um, while it's still called a day. And all this is 
from this parable that we're going to find. So with so much to teach and so little time, let's get with it. So with so much emphasis on principle, once again, first and the last, maybe we should ponder the importance of what Jesus is speaking of here. And again, the view is of the kingdom. So much I want to emphasize, and I'll stand on a soapbox, I often do, that we are not living in the kingdom. The world is not the kingdom. It is geographical, it's a geopolitical uh, kingdom. And and its capital centers around the, uh, the, within the borders of, of Israel. It's going to be changed. That kingdom is going to be stretched out. And from there, it's like Eden. In, in a sense that Adam was to go out and make the rest of the world like Eden. It is going to be on Mount Zion. It's going. We we believe in a literal kingdom, a literal king, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is going to he is going to rule the world from that throne right there. So Matthew twenty verse one. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers in the venue and vineyard. Um, the denarius is a normal, normally a day's wage, and um, that would be paid, and it would be paid, and it would be paid at the end of the day per Deuteronomy twenty four fourteen according to the law. It wasn't that they worked for a week or two weeks and then received their pay at the end of the week. They were they 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 needed that money that day. They would be paid that day according to the according to the law. Again, Deuteronomy twenty four fourteen through fifteen. So at daybreak, when when it came up there, here's the landowner, and he went out to hire the uh, hire his crew to work in his field. And I want to make this point right here that the land, and I, I believe this parable the parable brings it out. The land belongs to the who. The laborers? No. The landowner. And there's so many principles on this. And those of us have worked among fellow workers and disgruntled workers, and we've seen them before. And they act like, well, and I've heard so many times. I've had I've had discussions with fellow workers. Well, so-and-so's getting richer, and they go around your cars, and they're, they're, they're doing this, and they get all this, and and they worry about who's getting paid and who's getting paid more. And it worries them. I bet you they lose sleep over it. And how many times I've told people, this is their business. They deserve to yield. They didn't wake up in the morning and say, oh, we got to take care of this guy over here. And, well, let's start a business so this guy can get paid. This man's personal interest, the landowner's personal business is the crops. That he should get a that he gets a profit from, but but the workers there are going to receive um, receive blessing really blessing by association because they get to work in the man's field and they receive a wage. I've also also told people how many poor people have you ever gotten how many poor people have you ever gotten a job from? So Matthew twenty. Two through six. When he had agreed with the laborers, 
for a denarius for a day. He sent them into the vineyard. And he went out about the third day. Now, this was about 6 o'clock in the morning. The, the, um, the first at daybreak at 6 o'clock in the morning, um, the first hour of the day, he went out. He went. He hired in workers that were standing by to go out to work. So he hired them, bring them out to the field. And they, he only needed tempor- them temporarily. He didn't, not something that you you go out each day, but temporarily to go out to the work in the field. And the third hour would be nine o'clock in the morning. Um, verse three here, uh, when it went about the third hour and he saw others standing idle in in the marketplace. And those he said, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. So consider this. Doesn't say what exactly what was considered right for them. But they agreed. They said, well, you know, it's, you know, it's not the full day's wage. So they expect it to be a little less than what was paid earlier. Pro-rate. That's what we call it. Pro-rate. I didn't work a full day. So, okay, it's right. We figured that we would get three quarters of the day. Let's read on. Again, he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour. Okay, so he goes out at 12 and he goes at 3 and did the same thing. And about the 11th hour, this is 5 o'clock in the afternoon, the, the, the sun was going down. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, because we no one hired us. And he said to them, "Go, uh, you go into the vineyard too. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard, let's stop right there. So as the day wore on, another thing that we look at this is that there is a a kind of a sense of urgency. Hurry up. We The day is, the day is going to, you know, at night. Uh, no one does any work. That's done. The day, the day is over. Once, once the, once it gets dark, it's, it's done. We, um, we go back to our families. We, we collect our, we collect the pay for the day. We go back to our families and, and that's it for the day. So he's got work to do. He's, there's, there's much to be worked. There's much labor to be done. So there's a sense of urgency at five o'clock. What are you guys doing? And they said, well, nobody hired us. So, okay, I'll hire it. So for whatever it was good to them. So an hour of, okay, an hour, you know, we'll, we'll get a few pence for this. Maybe we can go out and get, get ourselves a candy bar or, or, or a jug of milk or something, whatever it is, you know, but at least we get paid something that a little bit is better than nothing. So we'll walk that hour and we'll, 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 we'll go ahead and, and, um, and work for you that, that day. So, um, Matthew 20, verse 6. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why, why have you been standing around idle all day? And they said, because no one has hired us. Uh, and he said to them, go on out in the vineyard too. Um, so once again, note the urgency. This is this. Uh, first of all, there's the urgency that um, that is that hurry up. And he's got work to be done. There's still work in the field, but yet the day's getting late. This also a reoccurring theme in the Bible, and there are lessons for us that Jesus taught that the day is coming 
to an end. There's a window opportunity. Time. Time is a grace commodity. And in that time, first of all, there is the opportunity. In, in that window of time, there is the opportunity for those to hear the gospel and to respond to it. Also in that window of time, that the believer, we were, we as believers have been created for good works that we should walk, work, walk in them. We mentioned last night during our Bible study that no, we are not just, um, pew, pew setters and, and, and take in Bible doctrine, Bible doctrine, Bible doctrine. God has created us for good works that we should walk in them. Every day is as, as, as Paul said, um, for me to live is Christ, for me and uh, dying is profit. For every day is a day of productive labor, of working to the Lord. Let me, and uh, Scripture also tells us that a workman is worthy of his wages. In God's economy, we will be paid. And, and um, let's see, where is it? It's in. See if we find it here. Yeah, well, I believe it's in Second Corinthians. But we, we, you know the passage that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema. All believers will stand before them and their works will be evaluated. And, um, and we will receive a recompense, a payment for what is done. The, and our labor is storing up our riches in heaven, our payment is in heaven and so ours now is productive labor ours now i'm sorry that um yeah we have the opportunity now while it's still called the day and the time so time is a window of opportunity and the production you know the first first thing first and foremost thing is our spiritual life it is our preparation, it is our being prepped for good works that we should walk in them. So the scripture, you know, I don't mean by no means to belittle sitting down and hearing God's word because our growth comes through scripture. And then we go out in our ministries outside that door of that church and um, serving the Lord in whatever capacity that he has placed us in. And um, in heaven, God is perfect. His justice is perfect. And we will be paid according to good works, the, the works that meet his righteous standard. Uh, John 9, 4. John 9, 4 says, We must work the works of him who sent me. As long as it is the day, night is coming. And no one can work. All right. So the end of the day is coming. That's the principle. So these last ones would be hired for only an hour. So they would be paid as we would expect, as everyone would expect. They'd be paid just a little bit. They'd be paid something. So now let's look at Matthew 20, verse 8. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. 
When those hired about the 11th hour, that, those are the ones that we're thinking, uh, put it in the terms of here I am. I, got, I, was, I worked all day. I worked in the hot sun. This, put it in there. They're watching this. They're watching each one getting paid here. Okay? And he said, and remember what I said, you know, uh, we've worked, many of us worked in places where people are concerned with what somebody else is getting paid. It, remember that you know, you know how much you know how much they hired hired on on to I never I myself never talked to no, no one about how much I'm getting still don't still don't tell people how much I'm getting paid completely quiet but I haven't heard that in a long while but I've heard it before you know how much how much you get paid how much they they're paying you or this that and the other thing because they want to make sure that they're not getting cheated somehow and so. So these last one types, or the first one types, the first ones who are hired in the morning, they're 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 watching about, and they're asking, they're, they're who's getting paid what? Okay, these last one types, and all of a sudden, to their surprise, they're they're getting paid a full day. Okay, let's go. Okay, so when those hired on the eleventh hour, that's the last ones here, came. Each one received a denarius. They received a full day's pay. They only worked an hour. Well, at this point, the some at this point those first ones are getting excited. Wow. If they got paid that much, I wonder how much we're getting paid. The other ones are probably grumbling already. Well, we bet if they get paid that much, we better get paid a whole lot more. You know, so you can you can imagine the conversations. When those hired first came they thought that they would receive more, but each one of them received a denarius. Understand this. Who does the field belong to? The landowner. Okay? For the first one types, he paid them a denarius. That was what was agreed. They, were, they agreed to work for this. Who's the first one types in this, in this parable? Well, that would be Israel. Remember that Israel, Israel denied grace. Israel and uh, at Mount Sinai, they wanted the law. They asked for the law. They said to Moses, "You talk to them, and we'll we'll obey. You just you just tell us what to do, and we will obey it." You see, they did not want grace. They wanted the law. Law wasn't the law of Moses wasn't a blessing; it was a result of of just like these, just like the Israelites wanted a king like all the other nations. They wanted law. They wanted out of theocracy altogether, and they wanted out of God's grace. And they wanted them, they wanted themselves to do something. So they rejected. So the Lord said, "Okay, you agree to that? Okay, here, here you are. Okay, you." You go to work, okay, fine, very well. So he, so the Lord's going to reward them according to the contract, according to what they had bargained for. Okay, so the landowner get so the landowner can do that. So the landowner gave them exactly what, but for these others, what do we call that? Because these others were expecting a quarter of a day or half a day, even one hour wages. But all of a sudden, they received so much more than what they expected. What do we call that? 
grace. And it's, um, understand that God, grace and mercy is not, uh, is not, understand this. Grace and mercy are not the attributes of God. Do not equate grace and mercy as attributes of God. Grace and mercy had a beginning. They have an end. Grace and mercy are of God, but they're God's prerogatives. God, uh, God, this is what God chooses to do. And we have people who are complaining that God is unfair because we want a world of equality, that God treats everybody the same, and, and that, that we have a God, undiscriminatory God. Folks, some of you will not like this, but we have a God of discrimination. We also have a God that will do according to what God wants to do. He He's God. So we get mad because my neighbor, just figuratively speaking, um, you know, I don't want to say nothing about bad about my personal neighbor, your personal, your neighbor, anybody's neighbor. Well, that guy never goes to church. He says he's a Christian. Uh, but he is a drunkard, he's this, he beats his wife. And yet, God blesses his socks off. He's got a nice car, he's got a nice house, he's got this, that, you know. He's got all, and man, I'm just barely making it. I, I, I'm trying to follow God. And God must be unfair. You know, God's God. And um, God chooses, uh, it belong, all, all belongs to God. And he distributes as his sovereign will wants to. So the first first of all we recognize that God is sovereign. He doesn't pay no one less than what he agrees. That would that would violate his integrity. But he's subject to pay people more than what they agreed upon. So um coming back to our passage here, and let's see where we'll pick up at. So when they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, these last men have worked only an hour, and you have made them equal to us. Who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day, the brunt of what they asked for? The um, What do they do? What are they going to do? Are they going to join the Communist Party? Are they going? Uh, are they going to vote in some uh, some politicians that's going to to come back to this landowner? Are they going to start labor unions? You know, and people do that. People do that. But in all, whose land is it? And can he do with his land as he chooses? And make agreements with whom he hires on. All these people had, all these people, as in today, they have a right to to work for this wage. And when they agree, that's their wage, and they have, or they have a right not to. These people at the marketplace didn't didn't have to go. They didn't they didn't have to go that last hour, but they went. Okay. Um. But. He answered, the landowner, this is the landowner, and he said to the one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree 
with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go. But I wish to give to the last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because uh, because I am generous? You see, here we go. Eyes on me and not upon God. See, these first one types or these first ones that went out to the field, those that are grumbling, what's the problem? What's the core issue? They've got their eyes off of the God of God or the landowner, and they got their eyes on themselves. I've been cheated. I've been this. I've been that. No, they haven't been. And because their jealousy and their their and their anger and 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 their own system of legalism, I've I've asked people, you know. So so um, you think God is unfair? Well, he goes, yeah, because of this, this, and this. Really. So according to your standard, according to what you think, according to your own, who's in charge? Who's, who's in charge? You go, so you're going, little old you are going to stand before God and you're going to tell God that he's unfair, that you're mad at God, that you're mad at the landowner because he's unjust. Who are you to establish any system of justice? It is God that establishes his justice upon us, not the other way around. So the last shall be first and the, fir- and the first last. This is God's economy, folks. This is God's economy. And God is perfectly fair according to his standard, not ours. So the first crew was hired and they agreed at a rate. They received what they had agreed upon which speaks of the faithfulness of the landowner. Okay, The others, as the day progressed, they received more than they were agreed upon. This demonstrates the grace of the landowner. It all belongs to the landowner. Um, and he did live, and it's by his grace. And Romans 9.15 says, For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So it's not, it does not depend upon man who wills or man who runs, but on God who has mercy. Um, a, god, a godly man in this situation would praise God for his grace, for what he has bestowed upon another. I love I'm going, to, I'm going to throw this out there. Um, it's there was a story about um, Luke Garrett. Yes, the one who um, named, named the disease after Luke Garrett disease, but I forget the the the, the debilitating disease. It's a killer. And you know, early baseball player back in the day, a day of Babe Ruth and all, and and they were trying experimental medicine. And um, the doctor came in, and he says to Lou Gehrig, he said, Lou, got some bad news and some good news for you. That we have an experimental drug for this disease that you've got. And it's worked on nine out of ten patients. That drug that's been used on you. For nine, they're recovering. But you're not recovering. You're the one of the ten that 
that you're dying and the and the treatment's not not helping you any. Lou brightened up. Lou, Lou at this point, Lou Garrett could have, have have said, "That's unfair, God. Why would you do this to me? Why would you? Why would you? Why would you not heal me?" Lou didn't say that. Lou brightened up and said, "The odds nine out of ten are healed. This is fantastic, Doc." This is fantastic that you found a cure for this. Lou said, Lou was excited, even though Lou, it didn't help Lou, he was dying. But these other, uh, but the other ones were living, and Lou was happy. Lou was happy that they, that there was treatment that to be found. His eyes were not upon himself. But I have to imagine that Lou was a, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he understood this principle that God is that that it's all in God's hands. All right. So my um, so though there are those today who count God as unfair, as to bless those who perceive God at, and uh, whom they or to look at others as saying they're unworthy and they exalt themselves. See, because that's what they're doing. They're exalting themselves over the other workers. And um, so my answer is grace. And secondly, it's what, it's what the Lord asked of Job in 38. Who is your God? Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by the words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you and instruct, and you instruct me. Where were you when I laid the foundation here? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set the measurements since you know? Or stretched out the line upon it? Or, sunk, or, or what were its um, bases sunk? Or who laid the cornerstone? God is the creator. It all belongs to him, not us. And he can do with it whatever he wants. So, hello. Yep. It all belongs to him. He can do with what belongs to him by his own good pleasure. It's God's economy. So, what is, what's this boils down to? It's just, this is the kingdom. And, oh man, so, so much more. Um, what does this boil down to? The first will be last and the last will be first. First of all, let's, uh, as we close this out today, the first, starting with the angels in heaven, they were around before the foundation of the earth. They were there in Job uh, thirty-eight seven, and they were singing. They were, they were praising God. They were, um, um, they were, um, they were exalting God uh, when when he when he laid the foundation of the earth. And then here comes the newcomer, man. And um, he created man. And what's, what, what is man? Limited time and space to the angels. What does Psalm 8, 4 through 9 say? What is a man that you should take thought of him or the son of man to, that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God. Uh, and that would be the Elohim. Let me see. What's it? Um, angels, 
Um, you have made him a little lower than the angels, the Elohim, and you crowned him with glory and majesty, and you make him rule over the work of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all the sheep and the oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of heaven and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through. The, you know there are those angels. There are those angels that they have their eyes on God, and they're still praising God. But you have the other sect of angels, those those that follow Satan. They're the jealous ones. They're the they are um, they have hatred toward God, a man, and they have they're calling upon God, and they say unfair. You see, because man is the last one type. See. They came after the angels. The angels expect to have more, but this pitiful creature, man, is receiving more. Um, and and some of their eyes that, you know, it's not about God, but it's about them being um, being um, mistreated. We've already talked about the the civil rivalry through through the patriarchs, uh, Isaac receiving more than Ishmael. Ishmael was the first one born. There, Jacob and Esau. Jacob, the first. Um, Jacob was the last one born, but the first one blessed. Uh, there, there is um, Judah. Judah is down the line. He wasn't the first one born. And Joseph. Joseph received much more. Do- Joseph received the double portion, and he was the youngest of them. And then we get down to Israel in the church. Israel was the first. Israel was the first one on the scene. And they went through the wilderness. They they received the law. They went through the wilderness. They they had to go through all this. But here comes the church. And who does God exalt more? He exalts more. The church is his bride. And so Israel, yes, Israel's going to be blessed. But the church is going to be blessed so much more. We live in a church age. We are the bride of Christ. No eye has seen, no ear has heard all the things that God has provided for those who love him, those who are in the church age. And so there are those of Israel that can be jealous of the church and they will grumble. But there are those devout that will recognize who and what God is. So, um, so And so, okay, so... We, the church, are the last ones hired and whose payment will be far more than we could ever ask or think. Father in heaven, thank you for this day. Thank you, Heavenly Father, your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for your words that that echoes within our hearts. May we live by it. May we walk by it. May we do our work today while it's still called today that we may stand as as faithful workers When we leave this body and we stand face to face with our Lord, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. We got our communion on the Lord's Day. Hope you're with us. And then until then, stay motivated in the Lord. Keep your armor on. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. And Semper Fidelis. Thank you for joining us. You can hear this message again, as well as previous lessons, and get notes by visiting us online at www.gchapel.org.